just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back with the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. So far, so good here. And uh, as always, we've got a lot of things happening in the news, in our government. A lot of scary things, too. I, I, I think that's the one thing that people have to understand. We've had periods of time when scary things have happened, even 9 11. But it was just 9 11 that we had to deal with. It was a horrible, tragic thing and had long term effects on this country. But we could focus on that one thing. We could all come together on our feelings about what happened with 9 11. Now we've got many things, and we've got separate views of it. So now we have people in this country fighting amongst themselves as to what the truth is. As I said in a previous TikTok or here on the podcast, there are several books coming out about uh, Donald Trump, presumably the final days of Donald Trump in office between November 3rd on election night to January 20th, where he finally left office. And uh, these books are, the ones that have come to light now, are uh, showing us some pretty crazy shit. There's one from Michael Wolff called Landslide. And apparently between November 3rd and January 20th, not much was being done in the Oval Office to govern this country. All that was really going on was the ranting and raving about how it was a fixed election. There was election fraud. Donald Trump was really the winner. Joe Biden wasn't the winner. There are all kinds of conspiracy theories and things like that. Now, most people that were working for Donald Trump knew better because they had an average or above intelligence quotient. But so they didn't believe any of the stuff that Donald Trump was spewing. So a lot of them were trying to separate themselves, not be tied to this shit show sinking ship. To be honest with you, it was a little too little too late because they're going to be tied to him for eternity, even if they did try to separate themselves. Now, there were a few people in the Oval Office, but still nothing was being done. Now, keep in mind, we're in the throes of a pandemic, COVID-19, and they are doing zero. They love to tell us how they got us the vaccines, but they weren't doing jack shit. By the time Joe Biden got into office, there were supposed to be stockpiled vaccines, and there were not. Why? Because Donald Trump didn't do anything. He was great for putting on a show, showing things he alleged to have done, but when it required follow-through to complete the process, he never did that. He was like a lazy kid not doing his homework, and he never did his homework. Now, in the last days, there were some protests in and around the White House, and it got a little heated after a while. And at one point, the people in the White House decided, you know, we got to put Donald Trump down in the bunker because God knows what these people are going to do. It's as if they thought that uh, these protesters would charge the White House, break in, and somehow hurt Donald Trump. Well, that, of course, never happened. But ironically, 
On January 6th, a bunch of Trump fans did storm the U.S. Capitol, broke in, did some damage, injured people, desecrated our U.S. Capitol. (laughs) He he was afraid that uh, what was going to happen to him, he would ultimately encourage to happen to the U.S. Capitol. That's how selfish and thoughtless and such a piece of shit he is. Well, when he went down to the bunker, somehow somebody in the Oval Office leaked out the fact that he went to this bunker. Now, this pissed off Donald Trump to no end because, you see, with a narcissist, a pathological liar, and a sociopath, the last thing you want to do is make him look weak or embarrass him. And this certainly did embarrass him. You remember they talked about Joe Biden being in the bunker, but there was never any proof of that. But now there is proof that Donald Trump was sent down to the bunker. And it didn't sound like he fought anybody about going down to the bunker. He rushed down there as soon as he was told because he's only concerned about his own safety, not the well-being of this country. So he does that. He goes down, it leaks out, and he is pissed. He is unhinged. In fact, people in the White House said they'd never seen him this unhinged. He was ranting and raving. He said this leaker should be found, should be tried for treason and executed. Now that wasn't hyperbole. He really believed that that's what should be done and he believed he had the power to do that. That's how fucking crazy this guy is. Now, people have talked about this whole thing about the election fraud and how he won the election and how he won by a landslide and he'll be back in. And most people who work with him did not believe it, but there was a certain amount of people, crazies around him, that either believed it or wanted him to believe it because they thought it was in his benefit. Donald Trump gets most of his information from Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, or these crazy fucks that that are around him. Now, I don't know that he knows for sure whether it's true or not, but it really doesn't matter. Because whatever Donald Trump hears that is beneficial to him is what he believes. And that's the shit he starts to sell. He doesn't look into it. He doesn't decide whether it's true or not. Somebody just told him something that he thinks will work for him. Now he's jumping on that bandwagon, assuming that it's true, and he's going to fight for it and yell and scream and rant and rave. I've often said this about people. The people that there are are different kinds of people out there, and if you want to be successful in life and if you want to be seen as reasonable and intelligent. You have to be able to know when you are wrong. You have to be able to know when you've lost. You have to be able to own up to it and do what you need to do and keep moving forward. It's those people that can't do that end up looking foolish and looking dangerous like Donald Trump has. There comes a point in everybody's life where you have to admit you were wrong. I know it's hard for me to do, but I have to do it, especially after being married 37 years. I don't have a choice. I have to own up when I've been wrong. But it's better for you in the long run if you just say, yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, I lost. Okay, let's move on. Because now you just elongate and perpetuate the pain of losing. Now, Donald Trump is less concerned about the pain of losing than trying to cover up the fact that he lost. 
and that's what he doing in that's what he was doing in the Oval Office, and that's why people were separating themselves from him. Now he's got people around him that, of course, will come to him and tell him some crazy conspiracy th- shit, and uh, he wants to believe it because it works for him. Now, whether these people actually believe it or not, or they think they can manipulate Donald Trump or the base by saying these things, I don't know. But now those people are starting to get into trouble, too. Those people, like the lawyers that were around him, that tried to keep him happy, tried not to tell him things that made him angry, gave him conspiracy theories that gave him some hope. Now, I can relate to this situation. When I was a young child, I had a father who was a narcissistic, sociopathic, pathological liar. And he had a tendency to explode and get upset and scream and yell. Now, when I was a small child, that scared the hell out of me. So my natural tendency would be to do everything I could to avoid him doing that. So I'd see him getting to that stage and I'd try to figure out a way to distract him or give him something else to think about so I didn't have to suffer through what was going to be a huge shitstorm of anger. That's essentially what some of these people are doing. They either are true conspiracy theorists and they believe it, or they're trying to do everything they can to stop daddy from being mad. So they will say and do anything. They aren't thinking about down the road. They aren't thinking about other ramifications that might come their way by doing the bidding of Donald Trump and flat out lying. Well, some of those lawyers are now learning that there is a price to pay. There are nine lawyers that were called to court by a federal judge in Michigan. What this was about was that These lawyers brought court cases with nothing but lies, fake affidavits, just conspiracy theories and crazy shit. They brought them to court. Now, they lost all those court cases, of course, but federal judges don't take kindly to people coming to court and making a mockery of it, which is what these nine lawyers did. Now, amongst these nine lawyers are uh, Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell. Those are the names we hear, because those are the ones that are in the news spewing the craziest conspiracy theories. Now, we know when uh, Sidney Powell was, was being sued, she tried to say, well, nobody would believe what I say. It's all a bunch of shit, and that's why I shouldn't be sued. Well, that didn't work for her in this case. We know that uh, Hannity did it for Fox News. Uh, in a lawsuit, and he actually won because of that. Yeah, you're right. You're full of shit. Nobody should believe you that has any intelligence. That's why nobody of any intelligence watches Fox News. But anyway, Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood, amongst seven other lawyers, are in a federal court in Michigan about their crazy fucking lawsuits. And the judge didn't take two kindly to some of this ridiculousness and uh, felt there should be some sanctions on these lawyers. Now, a federal judge can't disbar a, um, a lawyer, but they can offer up all kinds of sanctions. And they can also uh, suggest to the state courts that these people should be disbarred. And that usually carries a lot of weight. 
So Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell were up against this judge, and this judge was just admonishing them about the crazy, ridiculous shit they did and how they wasted time and how they made a mockery of the court and how this is not going to stand because if they allow this sort of thing, the courts will get out of control. Everybody will do this crazy shit and there will be no time to actually do some create justice for real things with real information. Now, it's funny. I'm not sure if it was Sidney Powell's people or Lynn Wood's people or both of them, but their defense was this. Well, we have a First Amendment right to lie in court. Essentially, that's what they said. The judge virtually laughed at them. Nobody has a right to lie in court. Yes, you do have a First Amendment right, but there are consequences for the things you say. You could say it in court, but if it's a lie and if it's illegal, you're going to suffer the consequences. And that's exactly what was going on in that court case. Now, by the end of the day, there was a lot of embarrassment by Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood and the seven other lawyers No sanctions have been sent down yet, but the judge is going back, considering it, and will come back with those sanctions. And no doubt she will go to the state governments and say, or state courts and say, look, these people should be disbarred. This is what's crazy about this. Somehow they thought if they could ride Donald Trump's coattails, lie and offer conspiracy theories, that they could bully people into getting their way. They had no idea that they would suffer consequences. Now, these people, like Rudy Giuliani, who's been uh, suspended in D.C. and New York, and probably elsewhere soon, these people will have essentially ruined their lives, caused them not to be able to work in their chosen field because they made such egregious violations while in court. Happened with Rudy Giuliani. It happened in Michigan with Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell and seven others. Now, these people are going to have to pay the price for their time with Donald Trump. Donald Trump will be gone, in jail, broke, whatever he ends up being, and these people will have nothing. All they can do is maybe write some books, and we know they're crazy fucks, so you might buy the book just to read the stupid shit, but these people have no more credibility. They have no more legitimacy. Donald Trump is gone. He can't save them. So how short-sighted was this when it came to their actions during the Trump administration? So we'll see what happens when the judge comes back and offers up the sanctions. No doubt Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood will be screaming how there's (laughs) now uh, some kind of problem in the court. See, these people can never admit they're wrong. And I think that's an absolutely essential thing for anybody that has any hopes of doing anything in life. When you're talking about a sociopath or a narcissistic pathological liar, they believe that they cannot be wrong. And even if they are wrong, they can bully their way through until you believe they're not wrong. Unfortunately, when you're going up against the federal courts, the U.S. government, or just the people of this nation, you can't bully everybody. You don't have that much power. You might be able to do it it to your family or your neighborhood. 
or your friends. But when it comes to something on this level, you just can't get away with it. That's why anybody who wants to be successful has to be able to know when you're wrong, when you've made the wrong choice. You have to be able to admit it and own it and then move on. If you can't do that, you're going to be muddling around in your fuck-ups forever because you won't let them go. It's better to say, yep, I screwed up. Give me the consequences. I'm moving on. But people don't do that. All they do is perpetuate their own pain and trouble by not owning up to their mistakes. So it's going to be very interesting to see what in fact happens with this federal court judge and the sanctions that are about to be coming down. Now understand, this is going to take place in some other areas too. You're going to see it in Arizona. You're going to see it in Georgia. You're going to see it in Pennsylvania. There's going to be a lot of lawyers that are not only sanctioned one time from one state. Many of these people will be sanctioned multiple times in multiple states. There will be fines. There will be disbarments. There will be all kinds of things, and these people's lives will be destroyed. That's the thing about a narcissistic, sociopathic, pathological liar. They bring you in. They tell you all these great things that they're going to do. And somehow, someway, even smart people believe these folks. That's the thing you have to understand about a narcissist. They're very, they're very persuasive. I know it firsthand from having dealt with my dad, hearing all the stories about the great things coming and then they never come, but there's always something else down the line that's going to come that's going to fix it all. But those things never come, but somehow smart people get sucked into that. And what they don't realize, this person who's doing it is going to move on and do something else and leave you in the wake and you've got nothing to show for it and you're going to pay a price for it. That's what's going to happen to these lawyers. Now, Donald Trump's in a much different situation. He's at the end point of his narcissistic behavior, his narcissistic lifetime. Because it happens with all narcissists. They fly high for a long time. They can phony up things. They can fake people. But Donald Trump made the most important mistake of his life, and that's running for president. He could have been under the wire forever and ever and ever and done what he did and died a happy man and a narcissistic man. But no, he decided to become president. Now it's exposed to the government, to the law, to the people of this nation. Now people know who he is. See, that's the thing. My father and the way I I'm not I'm not trying to get anybody to feel sorry for me about my father, because actually, I think I learned a lot from being under his tutelage during the time I was home with him. Here's the thing about narcissistic, sociopathic, pathological liars. They have no close friends. They have people that see them from a distance and say, hey, he looks pretty sharp or he's pretty smart. I like that guy. But when you come close to these people, the cracks are exposed and you see who they truly are. So a family that lives with one of these people know exactly who he is and don't buy into the bullshit. Everybody else around say, oh, he's a great guy. He looks good. He's a sharp dresser, nice looking guy. But the people that live with him, they see the dark side. They understand what is going to happen. 
And what they do is they burn every bridge and they keep moving down the road and keep burning bridges and just keep ahead of the burning bridges. That's what they do. But there always comes a point with these folks that it comes to an end. They get too old. They don't make enough money now. People aren't starting to buy into what they say. And then they start in this spiral like Donald Trump is in now. And these spirals always end the same way with a horrible crash. Because these people don't know what to do once they're in a situation where they can't bullshit their way out, bully their way out, or just run away. They're trapped. They have no other choice but be accountable for the things they've done. And their accountability is the absolute worst thing that can happen to them. They don't like to be embarrassed, as I've said. They don't like to be trapped. They don't like to not have a way out. And that's exactly what is occurring with Donald Trump. So this will all come crashing down around him, either through an indictment, through jail, through being broke, being destroyed, uh, having his image tarnished completely. One of those or all of those things will happen. And the problem is, is the wreckage around him will be just as bad. His kids, his businesses, the people that work in those businesses, the country that he led down his shithole. These people do some horrible damage. These lawyers in Michigan are going to have some serious trouble. The people that stood by him are going to pay for that for the rest of their lives. I know a lot of people say, when is it coming? When is it? It's coming. Inch by inch, it's happening. It's getting closer. They indicted the Trump organization. They indicted his chief executive officer. Now look, it's going to go a little deeper. Look for his kids, maybe Ivanka, being indicted. It's all leading up to Donald Trump being indicted. There's no way they're going through this whole process without indicting Donald Trump. Now, whether he will go to jail or not, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is his life will have changed. He will be exposed and he will be nothing for the remainder of his life. That's how it ends always. And that's how it will end for Donald Trump. I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. Got some more stuff to talk about. We'll be right back. So these voters rights bills that the Democrats are trying to pass. There's two of them, and they need to pass. Because to be perfectly honest with you, voters' rights is probably the most most important issue on the table currently. We have infrastructure, we have health care, we have COVID, we have all kinds of things that are a problem for this country, and they all need to be taken care of. I'd hate to be Joe Biden at this point and the Democrats, but because it's going to be hard to look good because they have so many things they have to contend with. But the most important thing to contend with is the voters' rights bill. We've got people all over the country, 17 states that are passing these voter suppression laws. Make no mistake, the only reason these laws are being passed is to limit the options for people of color to vote. They want to make it harder for people of color to vote. There's no two ways about it. They talk about, well, we're trying to avoid uh, election fraud. Well, there has been no proof anywhere in the country in 2020 that there was any election fraud. They have been counted, recounted, audited, gone to court, gone to the Supreme Court, and nothing has been found. 
but still they want to pass these voter suppression laws. So what's the truth behind why they need to pass these laws? Well, the truth is pretty evident. The Republican Party is in trouble. Keep in mind, they lost a presidential election by, by what, um, 7 million votes. Joe Biden got 7 million more votes than Donald Trump. In 2016, while Donald Trump won the electoral vote, he lost the popular vote by 3 million. The problem is, is there's far more Democrats than there are Republicans. The Republicans know this, and they know in a fair fight that they cannot win. So the power and the future of Republicans, the old white men, is waning, and it's going away. It will ultimately go by the wayside because we have more people of color in this country. We have younger people in our millennials who aren't buying the bullshit. So the Republicans are in trouble. So what's left for them to do but try to rig the game through gerrymandering or voter suppression, trying to keep these young people and these people of color from voting so that they can stay in power. But this is the natural course of things. Populations change. Political ideas change. And with that change, we will find new leaders. But the Republicans refuse to accept that, so they feel like they need to cheat. And some people might say, well, that's kind of strong that you're saying cheating. Well, that's exactly what it is. Gerrymandering is cheating. Voter suppression is cheating. And the fact that they're starting to get away with it is absolutely ridiculous. Let's, let's look at Texas. Texas is probably the hardest state in the country to vote for people of color already. But that's not enough. They still want to pass voter suppression laws. And they attempted to do that a while back. Now, they have enough votes to pass that, but people all over the state are saying, don't do it, don't do it. The people they're representing representing are saying, we don't want this, but it doesn't matter to the Republicans because they know it's their only way out. The Democrats in the House of Representatives in the state of Texas say we don't want it, but they know if the vote goes ahead, it's going to pass, and then it's going to be too late. So what do the Democrats do in the Texas House? They will get up, they walk out, and they sit out until the end of the session, so they can't vote for this bill. They don't have a quorum. And what a quorum basically means is two-thirds of the body have to be there to vote for it. And if half of the people, the Democrats, leave and can't vote or don't vote, they don't have a quorum and they can't vote for this new bill. So that happens. They get through the end of the session. So Governor Abbott then says, okay, we'll start a special session. That means everybody has to come back to court or back to the, the House and vote on this bill. They're pushing hard to get this bill passed. Except this time the Democrats say, okay, we're doing the same thing. We're walking out. But Greg Abbott is talking about having the police go out and get get them, arrest them, drag them back so they can do their job. I don't believe he can do that. and Certainly doesn't sound democratic by any stretch of the imagination. But what these folks do instead, this whole band of 50 Democratic Texans, they fly out of state 
So the state police don't have any authority or any uh, jurisdiction over going to get them. They go to Washington, D.C., and now they're talking to the federal representatives and senators. And they're pushing this. And they're ready to sit there for three weeks to a month to avoid this special session. Now, August 6th, there is a recess. And they're going to be out for like a month. So they want to push it till August 6th. Which they probably will do now. Governor Abbott's losing his shit. They need to get back here right now. And as soon as they come back, they're going to be arrested, dragged in, and made to do their job. Again, as I said, that doesn't sound very democratic. That sounds autocratic. That sounds like a dictator. And we know that's exactly what the Republicans want for this country. They wanted it with Donald Trump. The governors want it in their own states. But that isn't going to work. This is a tough situation for the state of Texas. We got the whole Democratic contingent leaving the state in Washington, D.C., lobbying for these voters' rights bills. And Texas just waiting for them to come back so they can install this voter suppression. And this is why voter rights, voting rights, is the most important issue in this country to date. Now, the Democrats have a couple of voting rights bills they want to pass. And the Republicans don't want any of it. Again, as I said before, they see the writing on the wall. They know they can't win legitimately. So these voting rights packages aren't going to work. Now, the Democrats have enough to do, maybe get 50 people to vote for it in the Senate. Maybe. That's assuming they can convince Manchin and Cinema, the Democrats who all often side with the Republicans, to vote for it. But this is one of those things that you can't win with a simple majority. You need the supermajority because of, well, the filibuster. Now, Joe Biden stood up. He'd been getting a lot of heat because the White House and Joe Biden hadn't been talking much about voting rights. They've been talking about a lot of stuff, infrastructure, COVID relief, um, police rights, those things. Um, And so they hadn't heard much from Joe Biden on this. Now, Joe Biden was getting some heat. So yesterday, Joe Biden decided to step up and give an impassioned speech, which he did. He was very strong about it. He was very inspiring about it. And he was telling us that if we don't take control now, we could lose our democracy. And the fact of the matter is he's absolutely right. The only thing that Joe Biden didn't do in that speech was come up with an answer or a resolution to this problem. He said we should be upset and disillusioned and angry about what is going on. And this is true. We've got one party trying to undermine democracy and turn it into an autocracy. That doesn't make everybody mad. I don't know what the fuck you got to do. He's right about that. But at some point, he needs to give us some answer, some solution to the problem. And to be perfectly honest with you, there's only one solution. As long as Republicans refuse to vote for anything the Democrats bring to the table, there is only one solution. And that is to get rid of or alter the filibuster. Now, there's some old people out there that 
uh, old politicians that don't want to get rid of the filibuster. Joe Biden's one of them. Manchin is one of them. Cinema is one of them. And, of course, all the Republican Party, which I find kind of interesting because the filibuster affects both sides equally. Whoever is in power, the people that don't have the power, the minority, uses the filibuster to equalize things or stop things going through Congress. That's exactly what the Republicans are doing. Now, if the Republicans win the Senate in 2022 and they have the majority, now they're going to be all about getting rid of the filibuster because it works against them. But there are some of these older politicians that don't want to get rid of it because they know, yeah, right now it works for me, but down the road it's going to work against me. These people don't like to fail or look stupid or be wrong or get beaten. So they want that fail-safe, that filibuster, to protect them if they happen to be in the minority. Right now it's the Republicans, so they want to keep it. The Democrats want to pass some things, so they want to get rid of it. And my contention is the filibuster is an antiquated thing that doesn't need to be there. It was used for bad in the past with civil rights and Jim Crow, so we should get rid of it. If we are a democracy and majority rules, then even a simple majority of 51 votes should win. Cut and dried, that's the way it should be. But you see, politicians want to game the the situation. They want to protect themselves so they don't look so bad. Now, people will say to me, okay, the Democrats get rid of the filibuster. They win by 51 and uh, 51 votes, and they get a bunch of things passed. But what happens? What are you going to say when the Republicans are in power and they're passing whatever they want with 51 votes? My answer to that is, okay, let the chips fall where they may. Granted, there may be some Republican things that pass on a simple majority that I don't like, but at least we know what we're dealing with. At least something is getting done. You see, with a filibuster, everybody's stopping everybody when they don't like something, and that ultimately means nothing gets done. And when nothing gets done, there's no improvement, there's no help, there's no assistance that the Americans need from our government, because everybody's in a pissing contest, trying to stop the other one. Whether I be Republican or Democrat, I think the filibuster should be gone or at least made harder to use because it is affecting and hurting Americans, affecting and hurting the country because nothing gets done. There's a lot of things that need to be done by the Democrats in this term with Joe Biden. Now, the Republicans may want to change some things that I don't like should they get in power, but I'm willing to deal with that. That's maybe going to cause people to be more encouraged to vote or be more involved. If you can gain a lot by just getting a simple majority, great. But if you can lose a lot by losing the simple majority, maybe you'll fight harder. Maybe the negotiations will be better. Maybe they will be more fair about what is what because everybody knows they're going to pay a price but if nobody has to pay a price ever except us then nothing happens so joe biden can stand up and say we got to fight we've got to be angry who should we be angry at the republicans well yeah we can be angry at the republicans for all the shit they pulled 
but we should be angry at every politician for perpetuating this fucking bullshit filibuster. Because whether Democrats or Republicans are in power, it affects us in a negative way because nothing gets done. So now Joe Biden, if he really wants to make some changes and he wants to get some of these things passed, like the voters' rights bill, which is absolutely crucial because it is the one thing, the one thing that is undermining our democracy. Our democracy is hanging in the balance because of the filibuster. People need to know that, people need to speak that, and people need to pressure people like Manchin and Cinema and even Joe Biden to a certain extent. You may be the old guys of this, this government and you think the filibuster is important because you know sometime you're going to need it, but fuck that. We need to get some things done, and if the only way to get it done for the betterment of this country is by getting rid of the filibuster, well, fucking A, let's get rid of the filibuster. And when the Republicans have the power and things don't get passed, or do get passed, that Democrats don't like, well, tough shit. Be stronger in the elections. Get more people voting. Do a better job. Don't spend your days figuring out how you don't have to do anything for us. It's about time you do something. We pay a lot of taxes. Middle class pays the bulk of the taxes. About time you fucking did something and reinvest in those people that put out the most money. So it's going to be very interesting to see what ultimately happens here. We've got a serious situation. I mean, this is actually a crisis situation. Our democracy may go by the wayside simply because of bullshit rules and regulations in the Senate. We need voters' rights. We need police. We need action on on the police, police reform. We need that. People are dying. We need better health care. We need better care of parents and children, those sorts of things. Now, a lot of the things the Democrats are putting out there are helpful to that, but if we cannot pass them, it makes no fucking difference. It doesn't do us any good to say, well, I wanted this, but we never got it. It's about time we got something, got anything for the effort, the time, the voting, and the taxes we pay. We spend decades getting shit in return. You know, let me give you an example of the filibuster and how it fucks things up. Remember when Obama passed Obamacare? Yeah, the, the intentions were good. The intentions were good because we needed something better, something cheaper with health care. Now, when it came out, we had the Republicans screaming and yelling, oh, it's shitty, it's bad, it's, good. it's done this, it's done this. But do you know why? It was so shitty because Obamacare is not the best option at this point. But do you know why? A lot of people forget to understand why Obamacare isn't the optimal way to get us health care. It's because of that fucking filibuster. Here's what happens. The Democrats, Obama, come up with this health care program. It has all the things they want in it, and presumably it will be good for Americans. But that goddamn filibuster is sitting there, so now they have to negotiate with the Republicans. 
which is fine if the Republicans were willing to negotiate in good faith. But of course, we know they aren't, and they don't want anything the Democrats have passed. They want to block everything. So they negotiate on this Obamacare, and people are just struggling with their health care. So the Democrats want to get it passed no matter what way they get it in there. So now the Republicans come in and they dismantle many parts of Obamacare. They make it harder. They make it more difficult. They make it less valuable in their negotiations. Democrats just want to get it passed so they can do it. It's about perception. Republicans want to fuck up the Obamacare so it doesn't look so good when it takes effect and make the Democrats look good. So they negotiate to take certain things out or add certain things, and when it comes out, it's okay, it's better. Democrats look like they've got the win, but when it's enacted, it doesn't work perfectly. There are bad spots in it. There are inefficiencies. And now the Republicans are screaming, saying, oh, see, Obamacare is shit. The Democrats couldn't even come up with anything decent for the people. That's why we didn't want it. But the fact of the matter is, it may have been much better until the Republicans got their hands on it in the negotiations by way of the filibuster. So that's why ACA, or Obamacare, is shit. You see what happens here? You got two government entities, two parties that want to look good. But the problem is, in addition to wanting to look good, they want to do everything they can to make the other ones look bad. Now, that's a pissing contest. That's a fucking ridiculous matchup, and nobody gains anything out of it. The problem is, is the only people that get screwed are the people that have to live with that particular bill or that particular law. And it's not optimal because as well as somebody wants to do some good, the other party wants to make it look bad. So when it comes out, so everybody is compromised and everybody has negotiated these things out, Everybody's happy because they look good, but then we get shit in the end. This is why the filibuster needs to end. People hear stories about how Obamacare isn't good. Well, that's true in many ways, but it's not because the Democrats didn't want to have all these things in. It's because the Republicans fucked with it. Now, keep in mind, it's not just the Republicans. Democrats do the same thing to Republican bills. That's why the whole fucking system doesn't work. And if you got rid of that filibuster and it was just straight away, clear cut, simple majority, 51 votes, we get them in, we get them done, or we don't get them done and we move on. If you get something done that you don't like, well, when you get power, maybe you can change it. It's very simple. It's not convoluted and it doesn't cause us to have to be left with bullshit. That's all part and parcel to the filibuster. The voting rights situation is absolutely essential because we have all these fucking half-assed states that want to enforce voter suppression. Now, we can sue them through the DOJ and do all kinds of things, but that's going to take too long. It may not work, and it's going to be inefficient. The only way to fix it is by way of the voting rights bill on a federal level. So we need to get that passed. And we need to be able to do it with a simple majority because there's no way they're going to get 10 votes from the the, uh, Republican senators. And we need Manchin and Sinema to vote for it 
because the only way we're going to get a simple majority is get rid of the filibuster, and we need them to vote for that. So when you're looking at a country that's suffering with the undermining of democracy and not everybody's being able to vote, you got people to blame for that. You got Manchin, you got Cinema, you got the Republicans because apparently they don't like democracy. They don't want to see it continue. They don't want elections to be fair and they don't want everybody to have a fair chance to be voted in. That's the bottom line. That's what we've got to realize. That's what we've got to be pissed off about. And that's what we have to go after them about. Make them be accountable. Make them own the fact that they are against democracy, of against everybody having a fair chance to vote. And that means mansion and cinema particularly. If we can get those two to get on board, we can get rid of or adjust the filibuster and we can get something fucking done. So if you're out there, know what's going on and you aren't mad yet, it's about fucking time you do get mad. About time you speak up. Start yelling at your representative. Start writing letters. Start talking to anybody. Because the only way this is going to change right now where it's in our control is by public opinion. The only way people know about public opinion is if we're speaking out and talking loud. You sit back and be apathetic, then shit just happens to you. And this thing is the one thing we can't afford to just let happen to us. So think about that. (laughs) We'll be back again not too long away. We're going to do some podcast every couple days or so, try to keep up to date with what's happening in the news and and other things throughout the country. I want to thank you for joining me. Remember, if you have a question, go to anchor.fm at Rational Boomer and leave a voicemail message, or you can email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. I love to hear from you. Love to have you engage in this conversation, whether it be positive or negative. I'd like to hear from you. So we'll see you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.